What happens when children are exposed to conflict between their co-parents? They're more likely to suffer adverse childhood experiences, or ACEs, which can directly harm their mental and physical well-being. As a child of divorce and a co-parenting mom, I'm passionate about sharing strategies to help make our children's lives easier as they adjust to being co-parented. Communication is key. And with Our Family Wizard, the world's leading co-parenting app, you'll unlock the door to a happier, healthier childhood. Check out Our Family Wizard's latest guide, The New Co-Parents Guide to Effective Communication, for five time-tested communication tips that can help protect children from emotional turmoil. Download your free copy at ourfamilywizard.com forward slash moms moving on. This week on Moms Moving On. If you want real change to occur, if you want anything in your life to be different or better, it only comes first from a place of kindness, love, and self-acceptance. And from that space, be my guest, you know, edit away. That's fine. But it's only really going to occur when you, when you really are in that space of love. Life moves on. So why shouldn't we? This is Michelle Dempsey-Moltak, your host of Moms Moving On, navigating divorce, co-parenting, single motherhood, and moving on. Welcome back to another Moms Moving On. I'm so excited you're here with me today. We're going to be talking about self-handicapping, and we'll get into what that means in a second. But first, I have to introduce you to our guest. Her name is Monica Berg, and she's a speaker, international thought leader, and author of Fear is Not an Option and Rethink Love. She's also the host of the Spiritually Hungry podcast, and she's here with us today to help us debunk this idea that we're just not worthy of being loved after a divorce. Monica, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. It's so nice to connect with somebody new. And you've obviously put a lot of work into this space and helping people find love. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about your journey. Well, um, my main mission is to really help people live the life that they crave. And instead of having it be at arm's length or something that they think they never can attain, I have honed in on a few specific topics and tools and ways to manifest all that you desire. So when I meet with people, two of the areas that come up a lot for them are fears that they have and relationships. So that hence my first two books, and I'm working on my third one, which is about change, because that comes hand in hand with being successful at overcoming fears and also being successful having the relation, with having the relationship you want. Um, because you can have a thought, right, to change a fear or to improve a relationship. And unless it's followed by immediate action, which, which often takes flexibility and malleability for us, uh, change, you know, that we want won't occur. So, and really, you know, it's my book, Rethink Love is a three-part book because the first eight chapters are all about the relationship you have with yourself. Often people, the things that they're craving and you know, how they want to feel, to feel loved and accepted and to remove shame and blame and guilt. All of those things, they have this illusion for the most part that they will meet somebody who will take that away from them, will, will bring them to a different space. I call it cherished delusions. 
And then of course those will be shattered and then you're left with broken pieces. And hopefully you picked your mate for, for the right reasons. And it wasn't just based on the illusion because once it's shattered, you're kind of left with not very much unless it was based on something else. So I think love is the place where all things come from, right? I think that's how we overcome fear. I think that's how we embrace change. You have to fully love and accept yourself, even the parts of yourself you don't like in order to then move to the next space. I love that. How did you like find this work? Like what, was it something that you experienced in your life that led you to this? Yes, I would say so. As a child, I remember two primary uh, thoughts really. And they were in the background. It wasn't something that I, that I thought of most of the time. It was more of a feeling, but I had this feeling that I really didn't quite belong. Like what was I doing on planet earth? And I felt like I had a calling and I didn't know what it was or where to go or who would show me. I didn't really grow up in a very spiritual home. I grew up in a loving home, but you know, there is the chaos, the highs and the lows of life. And I learned a lot of what I didn't want to do from paying attention to the elders around me. And I remember just thinking like, when will I be called to serve? You know, when is my mission finally going to be obvious to me? Because I really felt that from a young age. And I also felt like I understood the struggle early. Like I understood the pain of not feeling loved uh, enough, not loving yourself enough, not feeling accepted, being different. And it's not that I was that different or, you know, but that's how I felt. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, then I had a lot of fears, a fear of elevator, fear of schizophrenia because my uncle had that. And he just, he was normal one day. And then one day he wasn't, and I was eight. So that's how it looked to me. And I thought it was contagious. And I walked around with that secret that I thought I could catch it until my adult life. So all of these things I thought not meant to live in pain. And I fundamentally don't believe in suffering. So if I don't believe in that, then I need to find a way to enjoy life. Um, And then I developed an eating disorder. And that was, I think the rock bottom for me of, of lack of self-love right? Because you, you know, you don't starve yourself nearly to death if you care about yourself, if you love yourself. So I think it became so obvious to me and it wasn't even a choice anymore. It wasn't something I could wait for. I think for most people, it's not so extreme. So that self-love aspect, it never really comes around because they meet somebody, they start a life, they have kids, but you always have to go back to that space of loving yourself because if you don't, you're limited in what you can offer anybody else in any area of your life. So I think for me, I would say that that was the pinnacle moment where um, I just didn't have a choice. It was either that or die. Oh my goodness. I can't believe you went through that, but I'm really glad that you had the self-awareness to get help and, and bring yourself to the place that you're at. Because I think the work that you do is so needed. We as women get divorced. And it's, and it's so funny, like how you'll see it portrayed in a movie. Like there's a divorce and the guy's like out meeting women and sleeping around. And women are literally the ones home crying, looking at themselves in the mirror, thinking, will anybody ever want to be with me again? And for many women that I work with and in my personal experience, they're told that if you leave me, nobody's going to want you. Who would want you? And so we not only leave with this insecurity of like, I'm older now, my body's different. There's this voice in our heads that's mimicking what somebody not so nice has said to us. And then there's the shame that comes with divorce. And I work through this with women all the time, but I'm wondering what your perspective is on this self-handicapping that we enter this like newly, you know, divorced phase of our lives with. 
Well, for the, the part of what you mentioned, I mean, that's really the problem, right? Movies paint many, many pictures that we believe are true because we see them at such a young age and we're so impressionable. So we think that, for instance, the, you know, all movies end where it's really the beginning, right? They lived happily ever after. Well, no, okay, that's when the rest of your life begins. That's when the relationship actually starts. It's truly the beginning, not the end, right? Um, same thing with divorce. I think you're very accurate. What do you, what is depicted on film? And we believe that. We believe that, oh, the woman, you know, that's it. She's uh, damaged goods. You know, I grew up in a Middle Eastern home and my father were three girls. And I think his way of, um, having us stay virgins was really telling us, you know, if you if you have sex before marriage, you're damaged goods. And I was like, you know, what? What does that mean? I mean, it took me a while to unpack that and really heal from that because then when I I finally did have sex, I was like, okay, so have I lost a part of myself? Am I now damaged in some way? Right. Um, but anyway, to your question, yes, there is a there is a term called self-handicapping. It was coined by Burgess, Burgess and Jones. They're two psychologists. And it's this idea that we, when we're not sure of the outcome and we might fail, we set up the excuses early on. So for instance, so that the failure doesn't feel that devastating, that burn, right? That that pain that we feel when we feel like we've made a mistake. So for instance, if somebody was going to um take the SATs or a big exam and they were worried that they wouldn't do well, they might stay out all night drinking so that they have a legitimate excuse as to why they did poorly on the exam. Right. Um, if a couple is going to marriage counseling and uh, the husband's really not into that, right? So maybe, or even the wife, maybe all day long they goof off at work and then at the end they need to work late because they didn't finish the deadline that they needed mm. because they didn't want to go to the therapy session. I so it's another essentially example. like shooting yourself in the foot. Exactly. exactly. It's self-sabotaging at its finest. Um, I know a couple that I worked with, he always complained about her cooking and that it wasn't, it was undercooked, the soup was undercooked or, you know, it was whatever it was. So instead of her hearing the criticism, she burnt the dinner. So they'd have to go out to eat because then he couldn't complain about the cooking. And it's something that we're really not aware of. It's back in our subconscious mind, but we do it to protect ourselves because of that burn of embarrassment when we fail. Um, and there are four very specific ways in how we self-sabotage. Uh, one is pessimism, right? Seeing things as constantly negative or that it will never work out for us. Or for instance, the example you gave right after a divorce, nobody's going to want me. We create these belief systems and a negative outlook, uh, which again is self-handicapping. So then you don't need to try, right? So you won't be rejected and then you won't be embarrassed. So it's, mm -hmm. it's, we're very, very nuanced the way we are as humans and the way our brains work. Helplessness is another form of self-handicapping. Basically, we have no control over what happens to us. We're at the whims of the universe, which is not true. Mm -hmm. The third is judgment and negative speech. And that could be external towards other people, but also the way we speak about ourselves, right? You're not good at anything. You'll never amount to anything. Why do we do this? It's so sad. I, know, I mean, I, on on. I do it. <laughs> I do it all day. Uh, I stopped doing it. And that's why in my book, I well, both books, I've written a lot about, I, I give very specific tools because everything I've written about and everything I speak about, I've really lived. And if not, I just don't feel 
or I'm working through and I will find a solution for myself and for the rest of us because I really fundamentally believe we're not meant to suffer, right? So if that's the case, all of these handicaps, which these are that we have, there's a way to outgrow them. There's a way to overcome them. Mm -hmm. And then the fourth one is perfectionism. And this is one that really had me, but good. I mean, if out of any of the four that I just mentioned, this was the one. Um, type A personality, and I want I wanted to be unassailable because if you're perfect, then nobody can criticize you. I felt a lot of judgment growing up from one of my sisters, but also just all around. I, I grew up in Beverly Hills. Well, first I was raised in New Orleans, and then Beverly Hills. And there's this pressure to be, you know, flawless and beautiful and perfect. And and I also put that on myself. And then I realized one day that it's impossible. And it's a recipe for disaster and complete unhappiness. And the more I tried to be perfect, the more unhappy I was. And the eating disorder really stemmed from that mm -hmm. consciousness. So then I realized I wanted to have an unassailable consciousness, which means I wanted to grow my mind in a way that I wasn't affected by anything, not a word, not a look, not a negative anything, not for myself or anybody else. And that it would be like water off a deck's back and just completely untouchable in that way. And yes, things will happen that I don't want to happen. And and I really started to embrace living a messy life because that really leads to a happy life. Mm, I like that. I, I think it's true also. I think when we finally ease up on ourselves, we can be more mindful and in the moment. I happen to have a little bit of that perfectionism plus the, you know, talking myself down all the time. And, and my husband sometimes is like, can we just be mindful and be present and like enjoy what is right now? And I think it's so important, but we need a lot of reminders as women. So- well, a good tip there, by the way, just, you know, when you find yourself in that space next time, picture your six-year-old self, or if you have a child or a niece or a nephew, whatever, and you would speak to them about something that you notice that needs changing or addressing, right? Would you say you're such an idiot, you stupid moron? How could you do that? Or would you say, you know, let's talk about this, that thing that just happened. How could we do it differently next time? I think sometimes we just have to get out of our body and take a a different perspective, kind of like you're watching in on a story or you're, you're having that kind of view. So your approach can be much kinder and gentler because if you want real change to occur, if you want anything in your life to be different or better, it only comes first from a place of kindness, love, and self-acceptance. And from that space, be my guest, you know, edit away. That's fine. But it's only <laughs> really going to occur when you, when you really are in that space of love. I love that. Hey moms, I'm always getting asked, what should I do with my engagement ring? I finally have the answer, sell it with Worthy. I'm partnering with Worthy so you can turn your wedding jewelry into cash, fast and risk-free. Worthy is great because their competitive auctions ensure you get the best deal possible. Over 45,000 people have already moved on by selling with Worthy. If you are ready to move on from your ring, visit worthy.com slash moms to get an extra $100 when your jewelry sells for over $1,500. That's worthy.com slash moms when you're ready to move on. It's here. Oh my God, I can't believe it. My book is officially out in the world. Have you ordered it yet? It's called Moms Moving On, Real Life Advice on Conquering Divorce, Co-Parenting Through Conflict, and Becoming Your Best Self. Moms Moving On is filled with practical, actionable, and empowering advice from someone who's been through it and comes out the other side, me. 
Through inspirational stories, rituals, journal prompts, and my guidance, you'll learn how to navigate your divorce with confidence, adjust to life as a single mom, shift your perspective to find your way back to your best self, and create the life you truly deserve. So order it now. What are you waiting for? Okay, so getting to that space of love. So we come out, we feel like of our marriages and we feel like damaged goods and we're broken and nobody's going to want us. Where do we start to make a shift towards self-love? Like, how does that happen? What do we do next? Well, I think, I think three things have to happen. I think first you have to be tired of your cassette, right? It's like enough. I don't want to, I don't want this to be my cassette for the rest of my life. Like you have to be at the point where you're fed up one, Mm -hmm. two, you have to believe that change is possible and, but it's up to you to create that change. And the third aspect, so right, that's the shift of consciousness. And the third part is to really be honest with yourself. I think a big reason that people are stuck in a spiral of shame, blame, guilt, judgment, negative self-talk, et cetera, is because every day they lie to themselves like, oh, life isn't that bad. Or I'm going out to dinner tonight with a friend and that's going to be fun. And I'm going on vacation in the summer and I'm going to plan that. And it's that arm's length away. I think if we If you wake up every morning and you're clear about your intentions and you also have appreciation and gratitude for the opportunity that you have to live the day any way you choose. Now, of course, we have responsibility and we need to work and there's certain things that we must do, but you can check in with your day and and yourself in the day. What could I be doing differently that I don't I'm doing and I don't necessarily need to be doing? What could I be working towards that really brings me happiness and fulfillment? I mean, I started just. Um, walking places. I live in New York City. The weather's nicer. And I really enjoy moving my body. So I'm taking calls while I'm walking. I'm listening to podcasts while I'm walking because I'm working so much like lately that I'll have burnout if I don't do that. Like Mm -hmm. that's me being kind to myself. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, I think it's about sprinkling that in throughout the day. We're meant to enjoy our lives. You have to know that though. And then you have to claim it. And it doesn't have to be this huge, big, change, right? Change career and change, you know, location of where you live. It's just adding that, having that consciousness, that awareness in each and every day that will make the biggest shift of all. Do you think um, we are able to do this without therapy? Like, do you think this is possible to do on your own, one-on-one, day by day? Well, I think it's a great question. Um, Yes and no. I think you can do it without therapy, but I don't think you can do it alone. I think what really needs to happen for each and every person is that they need to find their spirituality. And it doesn't have to be the same as my spirituality. It doesn't even have to be religion, but it has to be something that's going to help you open your eyes to expand your consciousness and your awareness and your place in this world. Why you are here, what you're meant to do, finding your unique talents and gifts, finding what your purpose will really look like. So you can do that through study. You can listen to podcasts that offer that. There's books, there's there's ancient wisdom. I mean, there's we're not at a lack of resources in this era that we're living in, right? You're there's right. so there's many like things. There's like almost too many, yes. There are. So really go take the time to see what interests you and read them. And I, I think that's the biggest thing of all. One, two, I think it is important to travel. Now, it doesn't mean that you have to get on a plane and go across the world, but I think that there's something really healthy and important in waking up in a different place than you see every day, or even just going in nature for one day a week and listening to the birds and feeling the breeze and seeing trees. I think that that shifts, again, your perspective on your life and it awakens appreciation for your opportunities. 
I have so many women who will reach out to me in my DMs and say, I did the most amazing thing. I went for a weekend by myself locally to a hotel and I had dinner by myself and I sat on the beach by myself. And that comes with such a sense of empowerment of just like taking yourself out of the day to day and being with yourself. I think that for, for me, that was such a big part of my own healing after my divorce, because if there was one thing I was scared of, it was being alone. And that stemmed from my abandonment issues and hearing from my father that nobody would ever want me and blah, 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 blah. So I was always fixated on finding the next person. And then I was just like alone. And I'm like, wow, I really kind of like this. And I had to get really comfortable with it, even when it felt uncomfortable. But it was such a powerful shift for me that I've almost now like gotten, I've gone the other way. Like if if you're not going to add value to this right here, right now, I'm not, I'm not involved. Thank you. Goodbye. Exactly. You claimed your power. You claimed your power. And I think we need to be protective of our time, you know, because if not anybody who wants, it's going to take it. (laughs) Yes. Yes. It's so easy when you're, I don't know, I guess a people pleaser. I think we're also in an era where, you know, women in our age bracket are realizing that they were sort of raised to be people pleasers. Children were seen and, and not heard. And we are all trying to take our power back in that regard. So I love that you're here helping women do that. So tell me about your books. So um, the, the first is called Fear is Not an Option because as in anything, right? Not just fear. If you say to yourself, that's no longer an option, then you need to find other ones. Your brain's quickly looking like, what else can I do? What else can I see? Um, it's it's a very empowering book and and it really is very specific on how you can be on the other side of fear. And the second book is Rethink Love. Again, the first part is about me, the relationship you have with yourself. Then it goes from me to we, and then we. Um, Very specific tools, tips on um, how to navigate successfully in relationships. And, uh, And I have a children's book coming out in the fall. My youngest daughter and I wrote it together. It's the first of 13 series. So we're really excited. That's amazing. How old's your daughter? The youngest is eight. Oh, okay. Mine's seven. I'd love to check out the books. Yes. Yes. It's all about finding your differences and understanding that those are your superpowers. And it goes into different socioeconomic topics and uh, subject matters. And it's, it's really, I'm really excited about it. I love that. So in your practice, you work one-on-one with couples or with women specifically? All of the above. All of the above. And what do you think is the most, where do you see the biggest shift when you work with couples? Well, when they start to, two things, when they start to take responsibility for their part in it, because it's always two people, obviously. And, and then the bigger part, which is connected to spirituality is recognizing when their ego is leading in the relationship, because that is really a dead end. And once the ego is the third party there, um, it's really hard to get off of that, that spiral. You know, it's like you're in it just to win at all costs. And it really stems from wanting to be heard and understood, but it's met with aggression and, um, and it never works. So I think those are the two biggest ones. And and then third, I would say, to be honest, again, that honesty thing, very few couples, unless they've been working on the relationship from the day they got married, um, have that transparency, honesty, and vulnerability. Really? Yes. That's crazy. That's like what a relationship should be all about. So many people are not at all. Well, obviously that's why the divorce rate is what it is and why we're all listening to this podcast (laughs) today. Um, Oh, this is great. I think you're so, so helpful. Um, I 
if you had like one tip for any woman coming out of a marriage where she's now picking up the pieces emotionally and learning to love herself again, what would that be? Well, it's a big answer because it depends on who left whom and why and what the specifics were. But I would say two things and it's they're closely related. It's failure and rejection. So the fact that your marriage wasn't successful doesn't mean that you were a failure. There's always a silver lining and try to find what that is. What is the opportunity? What's the gift of that experience? And that person was in your life for a reason. And there's something to learn from that and to grow from it, even if it's painful. Again, that's the responsibility part. The second is rejection. This idea of rejection, especially if the the one, you know, who left whom, if it wasn't a mutual decision with rejection, we shouldn't fear that either, because it doesn't mean that what you're offering isn't amazing. It's that who you're trying to offer to is not the proper recipient of that. Just find the right person, right? Mm-hmm. So again, I would use that whole experience as an indication, as information of what to do next. And really, who do you want to be? How do you want things to be different? It can be a really empowering process if you choose it to be. I love that. And uh, here in Mom's Moving On World and in my book and in my practice, it's all about that perspective shift. It's not, you know, will they like me? It's will I like them? And do they deserve, mm-hmm. you know, the flavor that I'm bringing to the table? So exactly. I, I I love that we're aligned in that way. Where can everybody learn more about you, Monica? Uh, well, you can buy your books from Amazon. My blog is called RethinkLife.Today. And my podcast with my husband is called Spiritually Hungry. It's oh, super it's with fun. your husband. It is. I love that. And so it's, it, I mean, we get a lot of people are like, oh, I, you know, the relationship part, they get to see a healthy relationship. We have a lot of fun on it, um, but we talk about every topic under the sun. I mean, literally we talk about everything and anything. Um, yeah. So check that out. Can you give us an example? Um, of our dynamic, it's no, of, com- of your topics. Like uh, I- we talk about, so this week we're talking about, um, uh, laziness and how to overcome that and what it really means to be lazy. We're doing another one on resilience. Last week was on vulnerability. Um, we've talked about forgiveness. We've talked about death. We both lost, he lost his mother two years ago. I lost my father a year ago. Oh, I'm sorry. And, um, and we talk about what that looks like. We talk about parenting. I mean, really everything. Wow. So I have to ask because you are, you know, you've evolved into like this incredible being from having obviously self-doubt and an eating disorder. Do you feel you've set the standard for your sisters? Are they like, oh my God, look at Monica, she's amazing. Or do you feel like you've set yourself apart from the rest of the family? Well, that's one question I can tell you I have never gotten. Um, Just thinking, because I'm all about, you know, breaking these cycles in families. And um, and I know that can be hard to do when you're the cycle breaker. Sometimes people don't want to be involved with you anymore. Well, yeah, I do like the question. I'm the middle child. Um, and I think after my father passed, even though he was sick for seven or eight years, um, that does change the dynamic, interestingly enough, even if, again, he had Alzheimer's. So he wasn't really there, but once he was really gone from this earth, it it did change things. I think that we're all on our own journey and we have different desires. Um, and, And I don't know if it's because we're sisters, but our relationships are always changing individually. It's not like a group, it's not the three of us. It's like two on two in different times and different ways, different times we have kids. I've, I'm in the middle. So I have um, two that are the same age as my older sister. And I have 
um, well, three and she has two. And then my youngest is the same age as my younger sister's children. So I find myself really always in the middle, still dancing. In terms of behavior and belief systems, everybody's on their own journey. I think my younger sister is perhaps less of a seeker. And I think my older sister really prides herself in trying to be different. And so she's always seeking, you know, the next thing. And I'm just really, you know, I found my purpose when I was 18 and, um, and I keep expanding on that. So it's just different, different movies, different stories, different lives. We're lucky to have you in the family and and so are your children. Monica, thank you so much for being here today. For anybody who wants to get in touch with Monica, I'm obviously linking everything in the show notes. I highly suggest you check out her books. Do a little bit of the self-work. You will never be disappointed with what comes from that. Thanks for being here today, everybody. Imagine a place to get all of the resources you need and deserve while going through the divorce process, from legal and mediation tips to expert co-parenting advice and heartbreak healing words of wisdom. Imagine a place that offered weekly words of wisdom and inspiration curated just for you by me to help motivate you and make you feel seen throughout the toughest days of your divorce journey. Imagine if that place also provided you with the opportunity to connect with other moms who are going through the exact same thing as you. That place exists, and it's called the Moms Moving On Membership Community. With two membership options, you are guaranteed to find your village and thrive in this next phase of your life. Visit my website, momsmovingon.com, and click on Become a Member to join our community now. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Moms Moving On. I hope you found today's episode to be helpful, inspiring, and give you the advice you need to feel empowered and strong as you move on. Don't forget to come say hi on Instagram at the Michelle Dempsey and drop us a line if there's a specific topic or subject you'd like us to discuss. Thanks. Stay strong. 